Welcome to The Conversation. This podcast is produced by QSource as part of Medicare's quality improvement organization efforts to share information, educate clinical staff, and encourage improvement through best practices. Each episode discusses a topic that is timely and applicable to you, your staff, and your patients. According to the CDC, an estimated 37% of U.S. adults with diagnosed diabetes also have chronic kidney disease, also known as CKD. In this episode, the conversation will explore the link between diabetes and CKD. Quality Improvement Advisor Kathy Moore leads a conversation with John Phillips and Ashley Brown, who describe their own personal journeys of living with diabetes and CKD. Also joining the conversation is Dr. Scott Solcher, a nephrologist with DaVita, who shares how individuals can reduce the risk and progression of CKD. Now, let's get this conversation started. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the conversation. I'm Kathy Moore, your podcast facilitator, and I'm excited to share with the listeners a great conversation with two of my closest friends and community members who are living with diabetes and chronic kidney disease, John Phillips and Ashley Brown. We will have a special conversation around their journey, their shared examples of living with chronic disease, and joining them are subject matter expert. Dr. Scott Solcher, who is a clinical nephrologist, Division Director, Stormont Val Nephrology. So let's jump in and learn more. I'll start with Ashley and John. Can you give us a little bit about your early part of your journey with your diabetes and how long you've had kidney disease? Um, I've been diabetic for 22 years. I was diagnosed when I was eight, so really young. Um, I'm now 30 years old. it's affected me in a lot of ways with my diabetes. Um, I am now um, on dialysis with uh, my kidneys. Um, they're only functioning at 12%, which isn't great. Um, but with me being on dialysis, I'm able to start looking at a transplant. So our end goal is hopefully a transplant and pancreas transplant. So that's right. the light at the end of the tunnel. That's right. That's right. How about you, John? Well, I've been diabetic for 23 years now. Found out when I was 20. You know, I started dialysis in 2012. Just recently got a kidney transplant last year. So, been through it, done it, know what to go through, know what the end result is, and hopefully I can help out. I think one of the things that... um, that we're interested in is how you found out that you had kidney disease and were you referred to a specialist at that time? I think that's one of the things that um, in what we're looking at for chronic disease self-management is, you know, what, what do we know? What did we know? And could we have delayed the progression of our diet of our kidney disease? I'm from Terre Haute, which is a small community. And oftentimes the doctors here, overlook a lot of things and so when I was pregnant and had my son up at Methodist up in Indianapolis a larger medical facility um, a lot more resources um, they were able to do a lot more extensive research and figure out what was going on um, as to why I was having so many complications after delivering my son Um, and that's when they found out my kidneys were failing. 
And in my case, it was just kind of a fluke thing because I had a cyst on my leg that I went to go have taken care of in the emergency room on my way before I went to work so I could walk. And on doing so, they took a culture of it and they came back and said I had end-stage renal disease and my kidneys were only functioning at 1%. So typically that's not how people find out. Um, exactly. You know, oftentimes, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, oftentimes what happens is that a patient gets a call from their primary care doctor nurse. They say, hey, you got to go see the kidney doctor. You get an appointment that's two or three months out. In the meantime, they scour the web continuously learning about dialysis when most people only have a mild decline in their kidney function. And so they're they're anxious for two or three months awaiting their appointment with the nephrologist who, you know, hopefully tells them that their disease is much more mild, certainly than both of uh, your cases have been. It, well, it really is interesting that you weren't told ahead of time. So you didn't, there wasn't any way that you guys could have prolonged, um, going into renal failure or if you didn't know what was going on. When they told me I had end-stage renal disease, I didn't know what it, what it was. You know, I was like, what medicine do I need to take? I got to be at work in two hours. Right. So right. Going, right. going to work, I went to ICU. That's right. And Ashley's mother is a registered nurse, so I'm sure she has a little bit different view on when you were told that your kidneys were failing. I didn't know what to expect because having diabetes since I was eight, I've always had people tell me, oh, you got to do this. You know, you could lose your legs. You got to do this. You could go blind. But nobody ever told me about, you know, my kidneys or my organs, you know. So I wasn't educated. And my teenage years, I was rebellious with my diabetes and I didn't take care of myself and I neglected my health. And now I'm paying the consequence for it, you know. So education, I think, is a long way to go with it, too. Oh, absolutely. So, Dr. Solskjaer, as a nephrologist, what what are the first things to tell people um, that have diabetes what they should be looking for? Yeah, so I think one of the things that's really important for a lot of people is to just know your numbers. Now, obviously, for people that kind of crash in, that's not an opportunity ahead of time. But if, you know, anymore, you can look your labs up on the portal. Every, everybody has to have a portal to look at your labs. And, and I like it when people know what those labs are and what they look like. You know, the creatinine is that blood test we typically use to measure kidney function. There's a calculation called the estimated glomerular filtration rate, the EGFR, that people see on their portals, too. And those are the two labs to focus the most on. And when you see changes in those, you would be able to ask your primary care doctor or whomever, what does that mean for me? How much difference is that? Is that important or not important? And so those people that, that are on top of their numbers oftentimes are, you know, there's, there's questions that they'll be able to ask their doctors that hopefully then in turn result in therapies that would delay the progression of kidney disease. And what kind of, you know, uh, both Ashley and John, what kind of impact has this had on your everyday activities, your relationships, friends, family? On mine, I would say just being on dialysis, one, you have to change so much out of your life. You got to have certain times that you can do things. You don't have the energy that you used to have that want to do them because you're worn down. But, you know, like going on vacation, you know, you want to go out of town, go for a vacation or something, you, you got to stop. You got to transfer to a different clinic, get everything where you can go there and have your treatments. It just, it takes a lot out of it. 
for me, it's the physical aspect. I'm tired all the time, exhausted, and I'm not even doing anything. Um, and that takes an effect with me and my kids. I have two kids who I feel I'm missing out on their life because of my kidneys. And it's not fair to them. And one of those is a four-year-old that's <laughs> rambunctious yes. and very active. Yes. <laughs> Besides their numbers, um, what kind of questions should they be asking their primary care physician? So both of the, you know, both Ashley and John had primary care physicians they were following up with on their diabetes. Um, but what should we tell the listeners things that they should be asking for with their primary care physicians? Sure, you bet. So there are therapies out there. Um, some of them are blood pressure medicine. Some of them are diabetic medicine. Um, and th th But there are therapies out there that really do slow the progression. And some of that's independent of the cause of the kidney disease. So, so for most people who have kidney disease, they have it from disease processes we already know about. So they have diabetes and we know that. They have high blood pressure and we know that, that kind of thing. Every once in a while, somebody will have an intrinsic kidney disease that's unrelated to anything else they have, but that's pretty rare. So there are, but there are therapies that will slow that kidney disease progression. So if, if you're, if you're, hopefully your, your doctor mentions it to you, but that doesn't always happen. I can tell you that I'll see people in clinic that have had a declining function for years that their doctors never mentioned. That's, it's a mild decline, and so that's why it doesn't ever rise to the threshold of the doctor's conversation with a patient, because it's so mild. But it's still there, and if, if people are looking really, again, at their numbers, they'll see that, and they'll be able to say, hey, like, what does that mean, and what can we do about that? Now, if the doctor doesn't know about those therapies, well, you come see somebody like myself, and then we do those things. Um, and then the whole idea is to prevent exactly what's happened to you guys, to prevent dialysis, which is such a burden. Um, and congratulations on your transplant, and I hope that the transplant's in your future, too. All right. Um, one other question, Dr. Solskjaer, is are there other health problems that may increase the risk of kidney disease? Obviously, we know diabetes ties into it because both uh, John and Ashley have diabetes. Right, right. Um, so diabetes is the most common by far, um, but certainly high blood pressure, high cholesterol, if you have blood vessel disease, um, if you smoke, um, all of those kinds of things also contribute. But sometimes there's a family history of kidney disease that's important as well. Some kidney diseases are inherited. Once again, we can typically slow down the progression of those diseases, but we just have to uh, get into the office and get those things, get those therapies in place. So, um, Ashley and John, and I'll start with Ashley, what do you want the listeners to know about where you are in your journey right now, and what do you now uh, wish that someone would have shared with you early in your journey um, and some of the lessons learned? Um, just educate yourself. Um, I wish I had been more educated. Um, I wish I had asked the questions. Um, you know, there are doctors, they're there with you, and they're there to help you. So ask the questions, use them as your resources. Um, something I didn't do when I was younger, and now I'm in kidney failure, so use your support team. They're there to help you. And John? Yeah, on my case, you know, I was the exact same way. I was rebellious. You know, my endocrinologist, he was telling me, you know, that I had a lot of protein in my urine. 
that was a telltale sign. Then I went through the diabetic retinopathy where I had to have surgery to repair the blood vessels in my eye because I actually lost my vision in my left eye, but they caught it to fix it, you know, and just take care of yourself. Like, I knew I had type 1 diabetes. I still ate and drank what I want. I, I rarely checked my blood sugar. You know, I was just young and dumb and thought I knew better. But, you know, after being on dialysis for nearly 10 years, going through that, you know, then having other issues from dialysis and different issues, you know, I got four stents, four stents placed in my heart because of it and all that. And, you know, just listen, learn your numbers, like educate yourself. They hand you booklets and pamphlets, read through them, take the time to understand it. If you don't understand it, ask the questions. You know, because when they hit you with it, it all kind of just bombards you at once. And you, you just nod in your head. You don't want to a- ask questions. Ask the questions. I know sometimes people, um, especially if they're not in the medical field, don't know what questions to ask. And I think, you know, as we wrap up, Dr. Solskjaer, I think maybe that's what we need to hit um, on what kind of questions should people be asking. And is kidney disease curable? Right. Um, right. Are there things right. individuals can do to prevent it? Absolutely. Um, so the, the questions really boil down again to kind of where are you and what can we do? And it's not, I don't think, ever a patient's responsibility to know what to do, right? That's why you go see the doctor. They're supposed to help you figure that out. So, and, and one of the problems is that people oftentimes don't really feel all that poorly with kidney disease. And you can have mild kidney disease and not feel anything for a long time. So, um, again, it comes back to knowing that you've had a change in your labs. That's how it's always diagnosed. It's diagnosed in labs first. So if you know your numbers, like I have said, then you'll see that there's a change. And if your doctor doesn't mention it, then you'll be able to say, hey, what about that? And, you know, uh, as far as preventing it, it, it it does have a lot to do with just maintaining your health overall. You know, whether whether it is diabetes or high cholesterol or hypertension or you smoke or whatever it may be. You know, it's about those health maintenance things that, that really helps kidney function. Um, is it curable? You, you know, generally the kind of kidney diseases that people have that are from other diseases we know about, again, so I'll use diabetes as an example, it's not curable. I mean, the cure ultimately ends up being a transplant for some people. Um, that's the cure. Um, but as far as reversing the process inside the kidney, generally you can't do that when it's from diseases when it's from diseases we already know about. Once again, there's some other uh, diseases like lupus and things like that, but yeah, we can cure those, but that's that's not the typical um, patient with kidney disease. Thank you guys very much for doing it. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining the conversation. If you found this conversation of interest, we encourage you to join the conversation by visiting us online at qsource.org slash conversation podcast. The conversation was produced by QSource, the Quality Innovation Network Quality Improvement Organization for Indiana, under a contract with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Content does not necessarily reflect CMS policy.